Episode 152, Five Leadership Lessons from Elon Musk. You're listening to The Game Changers with Jason Jennings. Leadership lessons in speed, productivity, growth, innovation, and reinvention. Now, here's worldwide best-selling author and speaker, Jason Jennings, and your host, Dale Dixon. Welcome to The Game Changers, the podcast dedicated to leading highly principled people to their full potential. I'm your host, Dale Dixon, alongside Jason Jennings, who the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, and USA Today is calls a best-selling author of eight books on leadership, growth, innovation, speed, and reinvention. Today, it is great to be talking with you, Jason. I understand this topic came to you from a podcast listener. Another great yeah. idea. Uh, yes, I, I get lots of emails. Uh, and as I've told you, and you know, I answer every single one of my emails. Sometimes it's a couple of days late, but I'm on top of it. And I get a lot of suggestions uh, for topics to be covered here on the Game Changers. And I received one several days ago, uh, or I'm sorry, several weeks ago, from a man by the name of Nick Stathis. Uh, he happens to be the director of Portfolio Financial Group in Brisbane, Australia. And coincidentally, Nick and I worked together in a leadership capacity some 20 years ago when I I was uh, taking off for Australia once a month, one of my 89 trips to Australia, and a delightful guy. And and when I opened up the email, I couldn't help but smile coming from somebody uh, who I've known for a long, long time, and I know who listens to the podcast all the time. And he said, here's a great idea, uh, an email that Elon Musk sent to everybody who works for the company. And I thought, you know what? It's a great idea. I'm going to file it away. And I didn't know when we'd get to it, but I knew I wanted to get to it. And then I was traveling this week, uh, like you, um, and... And we're like two ships passing in the night all the time, it seems, recently. And uh, so something happened to me on a road trip this week. I was in Philadelphia. And I thought, you know what? If I can if I can tie these two together, I'm, I'm going to attempt to do that. So can I begin and tell you the story of the Philadelphia Hotel? Absolutely. All right. Because I've always got... Every week I'm on the road, and I've either got an airplane story or a hotel story for you. Uh, but this That's one why I was is different. so excited to know that this came from a listener, but it drives yeah. us right into a travel story. It drives us right into a travel story. So after a very, very hectic week, uh, the night before I'm supposed to fly home, or the afternoon before I'm supposed to fly home to California, I'm checking into a hotel near the airport. Typical airport hotel, 10, 12 stories high, nice big lobby, gym, swimming pool, uh, four-star hotel, I guess. And uh, so I, I walk inside the hotel, I go to the front desk, and there's a very handsome, young, 25, 26-year-old guy there. And I said, good afternoon. And uh, he said, uh, hi. And uh, he said, can I help you? And I said, I'm, I'm here to check in. And I said, wow. I said, you're looking pretty down today. I said, uh, what can I say to get a smile on your face? And he said, I'm afraid there's nothing you could say to put a smile on my face today. And I said, why? Uh, what, 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 what's wrong? He said, this is one busy hotel. There are supposed to be three people working behind the desk. And we've been running all week long, one short. And today, we're running two short. And I've been on the desk since 7 o'clock this morning. It's 2.30 in the afternoon. I've not been able to go to the bathroom. I haven't had a bite to eat. Not one of my managers has come out to relieve me for five or ten minutes. And I said, hey, come on up behind the desk for a minute. I said, looks like you could use a hug. And so I went to give, I shook the guy's hand and I went to give him a hug. And the guy started quaking and crying in my arms as I'm giving him a hug. And he said, I just can't take this anymore. 
I can't take this anymore. He said a couple of weeks ago, they took away our meal privileges, our free meal. He said there's all kinds of managers working in the back office. Any one of them could come out here and relieve me or work alongside me. He said I've got unhappy guests because it's a busy, busy desk, and I just I can't keep up. I don't know what to do. I'm going to quit. And I said, well, don't uh, don't quit today. And uh, uh, I said, is there anything can I, that I can do? I mean, can I go and get you a sandwich or something? No, we're not allowed to uh, eat behind the desk. And I said, well, what, 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 what could have helped you out? And he said something interesting. He said, you know, if just once today, if one of those jackasses had come out and said, thank you for what you're doing, thank you for your Herculean effort, he said, I would have powered through. He said, I didn't even as much as get an acknowledgement from anybody. So the guy checked me in. Uh, I took out my wallet. I gave the guy a $20 tip. I said, I normally don't tip desk clerks, but I think when you're off in about a half hour, you need to treat yourself to something. And so then what I did is uh, I went to my room. Uh, I got undressed and uh, got my gym gear on. And I started to take a walk around the hotel. And I mean, all the telltale signs were there. Uh, I'm not sure if a lot of our listeners know what a port cochere, a port cochere is. It's, it's, it's that thing that you drive under as you drive up to a hotel and you can momentarily park your car and then go in and register and be protected from the elements and then drive back in. So it's a big porch, but it's a porte cochere in French. And so I stood out there for a minute, and I saw these four plum parking spots, just beautiful spots. And they all had cars in them. They all had signs. And so I wandered over and took a look. I actually took a picture. Reserved for management of the hotel. So the four best parking spaces on the hotel property reserved for hotel managers. And so then I started walking through the hotel and I noticed there were signs everywhere telling guests what to do. And in the hotel compendium in my room, there was a big note that said, guests are required to turn off their lights and turn their heat off when leaving the room. Not guests are asked to, guests are required to. So obviously there's a bunch of anal retentive nutcases, uh, managers who are running that hotel. So about five o'clock that afternoon when I was finished in the gym, uh, I walked by the front desk to see who was on because I know that Leo was going to be off. And it turns out that Leo had quit and uh, just walked out at three o'clock and said, I'm done and I'm never coming back. And so I, I've, I've heard a lot this week <clears throat> As I get ready for speeches, people say these damn millennials don't have a work ethic or these damn millennials this or that. But you know what? It's it, it's not the millennials. It is truly the people who are managing the millennials. And so there's a couple of dandies of managers there. And so on the airplane home, I thought, you know what? This is the perfect time to use the Elon Musk email that Nick Stathis sent us from Brisbane, Australia. So for those of you who are not familiar, I mean, with uh, with with Tesla and with Elon Musk, the company is now 14 years old. Uh, their total um, market cap is $54 billion, which means that after 14 years, they have a higher market capitalization than General Motors, a higher market capitalization than Ford. They've got 33,000 employees. They've built 80,000 cars so far and delivered 80,000 cars so far this year. I think they might miss their number by a little bit in the final fourth quarter, but I mean, they are a force to be reckoned with. And so if I may, it's it's not a long email that he sent, but I think it's very, very telling. And I'd like to be reading it to the managers of that hotel in uh, suburban Philadelphia. So here, here's what he says. He says, there are two schools of thoughts about how information should flow within companies. By far the most common way is chain of command. 
which means that you always flow communications through your manager. The problem with this approach is that while it serves to enhance the power of the manager, it absolutely fails to serve the company. Instead of a problem getting solved quickly, where a person in one department talks to a person in another department and makes the right thing happen, people are forced to talk to their manager who talks to their manager, <clears throat> excuse me, who talks to their manager in the other department who talks to someone on their team. Then the info has to flow back the other way again. This is incredibly stupid, uh, Musk writes. Any manager who allows this to happen, let alone encourages it, will soon find themselves working at another company, not here. No kidding. Anyone at Tesla can and should email, talk to anyone else according to what they think is the fastest way to solve a problem for the benefit of the whole company. You can talk to your manager's manager without his permission. You can talk directly to a VP in another department. You can talk to me. You can talk to anyone without anyone else's permission. Moreover, he says, you should consider yourself obligated to do so until the right thing happens. The point here is not random chit-chat, but rather ensuring that we execute ultra-fast and ultra-well. We obviously cannot compete with the big car companies in size, so we have to do it with intelligence and agility. There's only a couple of paragraphs left. One final point is that managers should work hard to ensure that they are not creating silos within the company that create an us-versus-us-them mentality or impede communication in any way. This is unfortunately a natural tendency and needs to be actively fought. How could it possibly help Tesla for departments to erect barriers between themselves or see their success as relative within the company instead of collective? We are all in the same boat. Always view yourself as working for the good of the company and never your department. What do you think about that? I, that, uh, you know, the famous term in Silicon Valley, first principle thinking, and that is exactly it. And, uh, putting what's in the best interest of the company. I'm thinking about the managers who, especially at the hotel that you just described, who would probably yes. be highly offended and threatened should Leo have gone and talked to somebody else who could have done something about his situation. Well, that's exactly right. And and exactly that is the, the situation that should exist. I mean, he yep. should have been able to call someone else for help. So here are the takeaways I get. I'm a big fan of Elon Musk, a big, big fan. And I, I, I get five takeaways from that very, very short email. One, by the way you work, you set the example for everyone else. So it's very hard to proclaim something and then not do it yourself. So he sets the example. Number two, uh, by anybody being able to talk to anybody else, no hiding places are allowed to be created. There's no button, there's no place for anybody else to take cover. And what it means is you're hearing many voices. And as a leader, you want to hear as many voices as you possibly can. Uh, next, I think you're obligated, This the fact that he says you're obligated to talk about something until it's solved, until it's fixed. And number four, the fact that they're not going to allow silos to be built there. And I think one of the big ones that I got is communication that is forced to go through channels absolutely kills great ideas. And so as you read between the lines in that email, those are the five big uh, takeaways that I get. And I think 
gives rare and interesting insight uh, into how this man leads, runs the company, and is building the company. So I'm not sure if you were taking notes there, but if you'd like to uh, kind of review those takeaways that I got or make any other observations that you'd like, uh, that'd be great. Yeah. Let's take a moment. It takes more than Elon's email to make this part of the culture at Tesla. It has to be repeated and refreshed in the minds of everybody on a regular basis. So I'd like to have you talk about the need. Not You just can't say it once. It's got to be repeated in a variety of ways in order for it to really be in and part of the culture. Uh, in the speech that I uh, – well, speech and workshop that I did this week for – just a wonderful, wonderful uh, accounting and advisory company on the East Coast. One of the big subjects we were talking about was purpose. And one of the things that I, that I talked about, it, it's, it's like anything else. You just can't say one time, we are not going to have silos. You cannot say one time, anybody can talk to anybody. It, it has to be talked about, presented, celebrated, discussed, and people have to be reminded of it day after day after day all the time. They actually have to see it happening uh, beside them all, all, the, all the time. And about two weeks ago, there was an announcement that Tesla had laid off 500 people. And so I, I, I chuckled to myself because uh, one business writer had kind of implied that maybe Tesla wasn't hitting their numbers or was tightening the belt, and that's why they had to let these 500 people go. These were not 500 layoffs. These were 500 firings. I mean, once a year, out of the number of employees, they have, they sit down and they say, who's part of the culture, who's not part of the culture, who's on board, who's not on board, and they offload the people who are not on board. And so it's very simple. I'm sure that of those 500 people they let go in, in their annual review process, there were a bunch of people who were silo builders, a bunch of people who would be threatened if the people who reported to them went around them to talk to somebody else. And uh, and as, as Elon, Musk made, uh, Elon Musk made very clear in his email, those type of people are not going to be working here. Those type of people are not going to be working here. So it's like anything else. It's it's um, it's it's repetition. You have to talk about these things all the time, all the time. At some point in time, they do become muscle memory. They really do. They become muscle memory. It just becomes the way things happen. But you can't expect to introduce a, a new purpose, or you can't expect to introduce a, a new set of guiding principles, or you can't expect to introduce a new way going forward, announce it once, send out the memo, and expect 100% compliance. That's the height of arrogance. That's the height of arrogance. And it shows and it demonstrates that you have no idea in, as, as to how human beings operate. The other interesting thing, and I've been dealing this inside of an, an organization that I'm working with, and that is that you bring new people in. And when a new person comes inside this organization that has an amazing culture, they bring a filter. And most people are coming from a culture that really mirrors uh, is just like the hotel that you talked about. Right, right. And they bring that in and it takes a lot of work with them to open their eyes to, nope, that's not how we do things around here. You know, the the, the famous line that I've gone to so many times since uh, our podcast uh, several weeks ago, where you gave us the, the 10 lessons from a company. And one of them was when you see a manager come into a room, they're there to help. Right, you know, right. It's but in not, most oh my companies, gosh, hide. It's, oh my gosh, they're here to help. Yeah. And it's really, especially with new people, you've got to change their filter 
when you bring them into a really great culture. Uh, you do. And I can now talk about uh, who that company is. Uh, and I'll, I'll do it just briefly. Now, I know that we're going to have the CEO uh, as, as, a, as a guest on one podcast, uh, because I've already talked to him about it. But it's Waste Connections. Uh, they're based in Houston, Texas. And listen to this, Dale. 20 years ago, there was one guy who had an idea. He'd been in the garbage uh, business. He was in Sacramento, California. He had, he had an idea for a better way to build a garbage or trash collection company. He had six credit cards, and he founded the company. This is 20 years ago, and the market capitalization today is like $19 billion. <laughs> it is just an Love absolute story. Oh, it's an it's an absolutely amazing, amazing story. And that's where people repeatedly told me in our company, when you see a manager coming, you go, hey, I'm so glad you're here to help. In most companies, when a manager shows up, you run and hide under a desk someplace. So uh, the managers so don't have the pristine parking spots in front of the building. Can you believe it? The four best parking spots. I, I took a picture. The four best parking spots with signs reserved for hotel management only or you will be towed. So, so, so much to the guests, right? Exactly. So do you, want to, do you want to repeat those takeaways yeah. that, uh, that, uh, that I came away with? Okay. Set the example. Anyone can talk to anyone. And the beautiful thing about that is there are no hiding places. And that means that we're hearing many voices, uh, which is super important. And you're obligated to talk about something until it's fixed. You just can't point your finger at a problem and, t and hope somebody else fixes it. There are no silos. And communication that's forced to go through channels kills great ideas. So it opens up our opens up our thinking and our hearing to new ideas. And Dale, you've heard me say this probably 50 times since we began doing this several years ago. If you take a look at that list, you would say, well, that's just common sense. And of course, my response is the most common thing about common sense is how uncommon common sense really is in business. These things are really common sense. To do it any other way is the nonsensical way, uh, designed to create little silos and make people feel very, very important and very protective of their turf. That's the, that's not the natural way to do business at all. So. Uh, so anyway, I listen. I I, I love uh, Elon Musk. I love uh, his companies, and I think we're going to continue to see absolutely great things from them. Okay. So hey, before we leave, I'm I'm going to usually I ask you have a final word for us, and uh, and I know you oh. your final word today. I'd love to have you tell the story about a a, a passenger uh, a seatmate on an airplane this week. I mean, this was this was great. I had this. Crazy, crazy week where I had to fly from San Francisco to Philadelphia, then take a car from Philadelphia to Washington, D.C. and Bethesda. And then I had to get to Atlantic City. And I took a look at a map and I thought, wait a minute, I've still, I got to go back all the way to Philadelphia, make a right hand turn. And then I can't do it. I can't physically do it. So I decided to fly at the last minute from uh, Reagan Airport uh, in Washington to Philadelphia and then take a car to Atlantic City. So I bought a last minute ticket uh, on American Airlines on the shuttle there and uh, no first class, no business class. So just a little commute 
commuter jet, and uh, I get on board. And I was, I, I don't want to talk about it, but I was uh, I was there for a very sad event. So I was not really probably in a talkative mood. And so I was on an aisle seat. The guy was already on the window seat, and I I, uh, I sit down. And, uh, and there was just every indicate. hi, how are you? He, he wanted to chat. And I, I just... I was heavy of spirit, and uh, but you know I, I always remind myself don't be like that. And so uh, he said, uh, "I'm Eric," and I said, "Well, I'm 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 Jason Jennings," and he said, "Oh my God, you're Jason Jennings?" He said, "Are you the Jason Jennings with the podcast?" And I said, "Yeah, Dale and I have the podcast." He said, "Oh my God, I listen all the time." Well, you know, people always tell me they they read my books all the time, and I, I, I don't think you do. I said, "Oh, really? Tell me about one of them." And he said, "I can do better than that." He said, "Let me out for a minute." So, so I get up. He gets out. He goes up. He, I mean, he gets this briefcase. He takes it down. Takes out a journal. He said, "Here." Look, and the guy had like 15 or 16 pages of notes on podcasts uh, going back over the past several months. So he was the uh, he was the real deal. So I promised to say hello. And it's a lot of fun uh, when, when, when that happens. It makes what we do worthwhile because we'll give people a little sneak behind the curtains. The last five or six episodes have been very, very difficult to get done uh, because of my busy travel schedule, <laughs> Dale's busy travel schedule, and then I'll let you, I'll, I'll let everybody in another little insight. Uh, we were going to record this about seven or eight hours ago, and uh, Dale's microphone didn't work, and his lame explanation was that he, <laughs> that, that he was traveling this week with his microphone, and so when we reconnected this afternoon, I said, now why would you travel with a microphone? Are you out in bars doing karaoke at night or what's the story you know what a, a podcaster never goes without a microphone so <laughs> and his microphone got broken on the road i'll tell you what it wrap did. it up wrap it up my all friend. right I'll tell you that Jason Jennings is the author who USA Today calls one of the three most in-demand business speakers in the world. You can find out how to arrange to have Jason keynote your next event or leadership conference. Just go to the website, jason-jennings.com. Click on the contact button. And while you're out and about on the interwebs, would you do us a big favor? Go to jason-jennings.com slash Facebook and connect with us right there on social media, jason-jennings.com slash Facebook. We would love to see you right there on Facebook, and it's super easy to do. With that, I will tell you that this is the podcast dedicated to leading highly principled people to their full potential. Make it a great week. You've been listening to The Game Changers, leadership lessons in speed, productivity, growth, innovation, and reinvention with business thought leader, best-selling author, and keynote speaker, Jason Jennings. Read Jason's most recent New York Times bestseller, The Reinventors, and visit his website at jason-jennings.com.